0: You're listening to Comedy Central. December 11th, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Tonight is one of my favorite actors in the whole wide world, and she's my best friend, but she doesn't know it. Lupita Nyong'o is here, everybody! (laughs) We're gonna be talking about her New York Times best-selling children's book and the new Star Wars movie she's in. Also on tonight's show, we find the worst place to have your wedding. Ronnie Chang sees dead people, and the U.S. government admits it's been lying to you. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's kick it off with Time Magazine's Person of the Year. It's an annual message to the world's other 7.7 billion people that you suck. (laughs) And this year's honoree is an obvious choice. This was just announced moments ago. The Time Person of the Year is 16-year-old climate change activist Greta Thunberg. Now, you remember when the Swedish team took on UN world leaders at the climate change Mm -hmm. summit. I mean, 16 years old.
1: Congratulations to her. She had a passionate plea garnering a lot of attention. And for way too long, the politicians and the people in power have gotten away with not doing anything at all to fight the climate crisis and the ecological crisis. But we will make sure that they will not get away with it any longer.
0: Yeah. Greta Thunberg has been named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. And she must've been so excited when they told her. It was like, great news Greta. Greta, we're gonna cut down a million trees and print your face on them. <laughs> like, "Oh, uh, and then we're gonna put them on airplanes and send them all over the world. <laughs> For real though, it's so cool to be named Person of the Year while you're still in high school, right? All the other kids are like, oh, I was voted most likely to succeed. And Greta's slapping her magazine like, I already succeeded, bitch. <laughs> Plus, you realize now she doesn't have to fill out a college application, yeah. yeah she could just show them this. (laughs) Although, it is gonna be awkward when she sends it to Harvard and they're like, wait a second, Aunt Becky told us her daughter was Person of the Year. (laughs) All right, let's move on. If you're about to get married, first of all, it's a trap, get out now! And also, you should probably think very carefully when choosing your wedding venue. And the popular wedding planning site Pinterest and The Knot, they both announced that they're no longer promoting content for plantation-style weddings. The wedding trend has been widely slammed for romanticizing the history of slavery.
1: And spaces that were intentionally created so that our ancestors could be forced to work and do free labor. These are spaces that not only are, it's not that slavery happened to happen in these spaces, these spaces were created for slavery.
0: Yes, wedding planners have come under fire for promoting weddings at plantations because people are saying it ignores what plantations were created for, slavery. And I'll be honest, I don't even get it. Like, why would you want your wedding at a place associated with slavery? Unless you're trying to send a message about your marriage. You know, <laughs> just like, yeah, I wanna get married somewhere that reminds me that my freedom is over <laughs> and I'm gonna have to obey someone for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, the, the one good thing about a plantation wedding is that it's the perfect excuse for people who don't want to go to your wedding? Yeah, because you can just pretend it's a moral stand, you know, hey, I'd love to be there, but I can't, I can't attend a wedding where people were enslaved, you know, at a place where people were enslaved. It's like, you know what, you're right. We're moving our wedding to our backyard. Oh, on land that was stolen from Native Americans? Mm. <laughs> and I guess we're not getting married? Oh, that's sad, I really wanted to come. <laughs> All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. <laughs> The war in Afghanistan. It's basically the Grey's Anatomy of Wars. We all thought it ended years ago, but somehow it's still going strong. (laughs) And now with the war in its 18th year, we're learning for the first time how badly Americans have been played.
1: Tonight, newly released documents raise serious questions about whether the American people were lied to about the progress of the war in Afghanistan, the longest in our history.
0: A massive new trove of confidential documents obtained by The Washington Post reveals U.S. officials systematically lied to the American public about the Afghan war virtually since the beginning 18 years ago. The objective to conceal widespread fears that America was losing.
1: The rosy picture that's been painted by our political and military leadership uh, is not the real picture on the ground.
0: Yes, for 18 years, the American government has been painting a rosy picture, telling Americans everything has been going great in Afghanistan, when in reality, it's a total shit show. It's basically the technique every failing couple uses on Instagram. No, it's just like, hashtag date night, hashtag couple goals, send. like, are you done with your phone now? Well, if you didn't smile so shitty, I wouldn't have to take so many pictures, you dick. I hate you, I hate you more. Let's do one more in portrait mode, ah. But yes, we're now learning from this bombshell Washington Post expose that the government manipulated every detail about the war in Afghanistan. They used numbers they couldn't back up. They hyped small successes when they knew the big picture was getting worse. And they even tried to spin suicide bombings as a sign of success, which is confidence, if nothing else. You know, it's like making a Tinder profile that says, you know I'm a catch because I have my own room in my mommy's basement, swipe right. (laughs) Now, it's not unusual for governments to try and make things seem like they're going well in the war when they aren't. But what makes the story even more egregious was that they lied about even having a plan.
1: It's as blunt as can be. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know exactly why we were there or how we could get out and not a soul could define victory. Retired General Douglas Lute, the Afghan war czar, saying in 2015, what are we trying to do here? We didn't have the foggiest notion of
0: what we were undertaking. We didn't have a strategy. We didn't even know who the enemy was. Who were we there to fight? Wow. America sent its troops to Afghanistan for 18 years, and they didn't even know who they were going to fight? It's not how you go to war. That's the that's strategy of a group of drunk dudes who are going out in Boston. You know, it's just like, someone's getting <laughs> up tonight, bro. <laughs> who? I don't know, probably us. <laughs> but basically, part of the problem is that the people in charge didn't know how to define victory in Afghanistan, right? Was it beating the Taliban or beating Al-Qaeda? Uh, making the country a democracy. And if you don't know how to end it, then you should just wrap it up and get out. You know, like they did with Game of Thrones. She's dead, he's gone, the bird kid is king. Roll the credits, roll the credits. (laughs) Take the money, let's go. But these people stretched it out. And this report shows that America's government had little success and not much of a strategy going in. But there was one thing they had plenty of, money. The problem is, as any rapper will tell you, more money, more unnecessary expenditures. (laughs) Aid workers in the field, military officers, diplomats, they all said this was more money than they could possibly spend, that they were ordered by Congress and officials back in Washington to spend, spend, spend as quickly as they could, as much as they could. Nearly a billion dollars on helicopters and planes for the Afghans. Trouble is, there is serious doubt that the Afghans can fly them. A half million of your dollars wasted on a building that melted four months after it was built. $34 million went to a soybean growing project and soybeans don't grow in Afghanistan and people in Afghanistan don't eat soybeans. The Pentagon wasted millions on uniforms for the Afghan army. It was to buy a forest camouflage pattern. forest cover only 2% of Afghanistan. <laughs> okay, that is just insane. $28 million for forest camouflage in a country that's all desert. <laughs> the only way that could have been a bigger waste is if it was for Forest Whitaker camouflage. <laughs> yeah, at least that would have confused the people. Mahmoud, we're being invaded by the guy from Wakanda. <laughs> don't shoot, don't shoot, I want his autograph. The strength of the Black Panther. <laughs> so America spent nearly $2 trillion on the war in Afghanistan with basically nothing to show for it. And maybe that's how you get the U.S. government to put money into things like healthcare or teachers, right? That's what Americans should do. Just tell them the Taliban is there. Yeah, (laughs) then Congress will be like, the Taliban is attacking schools and hospitals. Give them more money. Give them as much money as they need and send in three farce Whitakers just in case, do it. Now, you might be thinking, who did this to us, Trevor? Who can we be mad at? Is it Trump? Is it Bush? Is it Obama? because I didn't want to say anything, but I think he's black. (laughs) Well, actually the answer is all of the above.
1: U.S. officials have misled the American people about the conflict across three administrations with decades of upbeat presidential pronouncements about the war.
0: Our progress is a tribute to the spirit of the Afghan people and to the might of the United States military. Here,
1: in the pre-dawn darkness of Afghanistan, we can see the light of a new day on the horizon.
0: Great progress is being made. The spirit, and I'm hearing it from everybody, everybody that goes over comes back and say, said, really, it's like a different place. Yeah, it turns out that Bush, Obama, and Trump all did their part to exaggerate America's success in Afghanistan. And I guess that's the silver lining in the story. In a country increasingly divided every day, it's nice to learn that there's one issue that brings America's leaders together, lying about war. We'll be right back. to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is an Academy Award-winning actor who can be seen in the highly anticipated Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. She's also written a children's book called Sulwe. Please welcome Lupita Nyong'o. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. And to let's be here. start by saying congratulations on all of your nominations. How many nominations do you have? Because sometimes I feel like, like Instagram is just repeating a post, <laughs> and then I realize, you've, you know, you've gotten nominated for another thing. <laughs> What's your latest nomination now?
1: The Screen Actors Guild! I uh, mean... <laughs> That's for us. Yes, for us. Yes, yes. Are
0: you a little bit worried that when you go to accept your award, you are going to kidnap you and then go accept the award on your behalf? (laughs) It's like a tiny... Like, how do we know it's... How do we know you're you, right now? Do you ever think of that? All the time. Welcome back to the show.
1: <laughs> Thank you for having um,
0: me. <laughs> let's start off by talking about Star Wars.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: New movie coming out. Yes. Maz Kanata. Maz mm-hmm. Kanata is your character. Yes. And uh, you're coming back again. These are the most secrets of movies, though. Like the trailer doesn't give anything away, right. which I enjoy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They don't let you tell us anything. Yeah. Like, like why are we here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know, but it seems to work every time. It works every time. Yeah, because the
0: <laughs> movies are amazing, but then like, you can't, you can't tell me anything. Like, normally I can ask you like, what happens in a story? And I yeah. can be like, well, this happened or that happened. I can't yeah. see it. Like, nobody knows what's gonna happen. No, it's like lock and key. I, okay, one question, maybe you can tell us. What's Baby Yoda like? Is he <laughs> is he, in, is he, in, is he in the movie, you know that's another story? You know, I know almost as much as you do.
1: To and, be very honest. It's crazy. <laughs> they give you just what you need to know. Right. So I'm curious as well. I can't wait.
0: Is it because they want you to go and watch the movie as well?
1: I think so. <laughs> Th- they're ha- That hard-pressed yeah.
0: cash. Yeah, is <laughs> just hardcore. They're like, no, Lupita, you're going to come and watch the movie. <laughs> you're going to... But it must be it must be really special for you being a part of such a major franchise. I mean, you've done so many epic films. You're an Oscar-winning actor, but at the same time, you're part of Star Wars. Was that something you thought about when you were growing up? Is like, I'm going to be part of the biggest franchise ever.
1: It never occurred to me, I have to admit. And I watched Star Wars growing up, but I didn't know that it was a a cultural phenomenon. Right. You know, I just liked, like, C-3PO. it just come on 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 public holidays, you know? So it was a public holiday movie. And then I got cast. Wait, wait, wait,
0: which country was this in? In
1: Kenya, sorry, yes. Wait, so in Kenya, Uh Star
0: Wars is a public holiday movie?
1: Yeah, it would come on on the public holidays, yeah.
0: That's rock and roll. (laughs) No, because, like, most countries will play, like, those old black-and-white films where it's just, like, someone saving Christmas or something. And you guys are like, no, we are doing Star Wars. We're doing
1: Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, so I really liked... I I liked the movie, but I didn't know what it was all about. And then I got cast in Star Wars, and my brother cried. And that's when I was like, okay. And then I was watching... What is it? Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yes. And I realized that Star Wars, like, it was pervasive in all popular culture. Because one, one of the questions was like, oh, you're Darth Vader. And I was like, wow, like everyone is all about Star Wars. Yes. And then there was this big splash about me being a part of it. And I was like, oh,
0: oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, then. Is, is there a part of you that's happy that your character is, like, a, like you, you wear the, the, the dot things and you do, the, you do the acting, right?
1: I am so glad. Because and then you don't God.
0: have... Because so, Star Wars fans are, like, the best fans in the world, but oh, they yeah. will chase you.
1: They're intense.
0: And they'll chase you with lightsabers <laughs> to get, like, a selfie. <laughs> yes. But they don't... Like, a lot of people might not know that you're in the movie.
1: Yeah, the, the real buffs know that I'm in the movie. got it. But, got yeah, it. just, like, you know, lighter Star Wars fans don't. Right, So I get away with being in it and also not being in it, which I like a lot.
0: I like that you are also in, like, it's not just Star Wars, but then at the same time, you're in Black Panther as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like these major, like, do you ever get confused though when you're in epic movies? <laughs> like, do you, in the middle of Star Wars was like, Mars just doing this. <laughs> and then people are like, what, what are you doing? It would be amazing, though.
1: Wakanda is kind of specific. And so is the galaxy far, far away, you know? Let me
0: ask you this, though. Okay, so when you're doing Mars, are you in, like, a sound booth?
1: Well yeah, this time in the past I've done I've done the motion capture. Right. This time I just did her voice and they had an animatronics
0: do oh do, wow do the
1: role. So then yeah. you
0: wear like do you do you just like do it? You just wake up and then you just go and do the voice.
1: Yeah, I go in Do you uh,
0: dress as her? Do you have to like get in because you don't you you're the character, but you don't we don't see you so
1: Yeah, I wear orange for inspiration.
0: Right. <laughs> And, like, those headphone things and the... (laughs) Goggles. Yes.
1: Yep, yep. That's all in the booth waiting for me. Okay, okay. Just to feel like... No, it is not true. None of this is true. (laughs) Let's get that straight. I'm not a crazy person. No, I go in there in my sweats, and, you know, and I get in there, and they're like, okay, so this is what happened right before. And they give me a rundown about where I'm at, and then
0: I... I go for it. You see, now what you should have done, and if you do another Star Wars movie, because uh-huh. they don't tell you what's gonna happen, yeah. you should just stretch the rundown. <laughs> so they go, okay, this is how, they, they've just been a battle, and now you're, and then you're like, what was the battle about? <laughs> I totally
1: do that. And then,
0: then you'll be like, and, wh- and what was, what happens after the battle? Okay. And, then should, and then you should just get the whole movie.
1: <laughs> and I'm writing it yeah, down. Yeah, just write it say down. Say that
0: again, please, and say <laughs> that again. And then um, I post it on Instagram. <laughs> and then Disney's like, Lupita, we need to speak to you. <laughs> Let's talk about the book now. Yes. We know Lupita Nyong'o as, as an award-winning actress. And now we should know Lupita Nyong'o as a New York Times best-selling author. Congratulations. The book has received many accolades. Suwe is a beautiful story mm. about a young girl who has dark skin, unlike some of the other members of her family. They're all, they're all black people, but with different shades. And yeah. she's the darkest. Mm -hmm. And what's really cute is, like, it's a story of how she doesn't like her skin, and the kids tease her in school, and then she comes to learn through, like, the magic of the stars why her skin is also beautiful. Yeah. It's a story that is resonating with so many people almost now more than ever. Mm -hmm. Why did you feel you needed to tell this story, especially to children?
1: Well, because I lived this. This is a very liberal autobiography. And I wanted to tell it to children because I think they're the ones who really need to hear it most. You know, they're at that impressionable impressionable age where they're figuring out who they are and what their value is in the world Mm -hmm. and i wanted to get to that child before the world had told them what they were worth so they could figure it out for themselves so one of the things that Sue does is that she through her imagination and through this journey in the night sky she figures it out for herself and i think that's an important message because you can't really control how the world is going to treat you but you can control how you treat yourself and, uh, and hopefully when you can love yourself, you can change the world around you with the light that you shine.
0: That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think I, I found it even more touching because I knew how personally you took the story. And you write about it in the back of the book, you know? Mm-hmm. It seems like a great kid's story, but then when you realize that this was your life, you start to understand how much of an impact it makes on people. In fact, just recently, Miss South Africa won Miss Universe. I know, congratulations. No, and she was saying, (laughs) she was saying how, you know, even for her, seeing somebody of dark skin with natural hair and just being an African woman, being celebrated for her beauty, was a milestone. A lot of people connected to that. If there is a child out there, or anyone, even a grown-up, who says, like, you know, Lupita, I've had dark skin for so long. People have said to me, I'm not beautiful because of that dark skin. Is there anything you did or changed or found in your life that helped you find the beauty that you actually always had?
1: Woo! That's a good one. Anything that I did that right. helped me find myself, really. Well, I think... What did I do? Um, I think I... I I kept my imagination alive. I always fed my imagination. Mm-hmm. And that's where I found solace. Uh, and that's why it was so important that she had an imagination and right, went on this journey. Right, right. Because when you have an imagination, you can create for yourself the person you want to be. You, can, you, you give yourself vision. And it's so important to have vision. Because that's what can take you from where you are to where you need to be. So I think that's really important, but I think it's also about surrounding yourself with people who see the best in you, you know? And finding those people and holding onto them for dear life. For me, I was lucky. My parents really believed in me, and my parents, even when I didn't believe in myself or when I got teased by other people, my parents were steadfast in their love. Right. And so even when I didn't want to hear it, because it wasn't cool to listen to your mom, I, I, at the end of the day, she did not... My parents did not tire from reminding me of the things that I needed to know about myself. And when the time came, I could take that on and use it to move forward.
0: And you've moved <laughs> very far forward. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Man. so much for being on the show Thank again. Congratulations me. on everything. <laughs> Star Wars, The Rise of Star Wars, that opens the December 20th. And Sue is a beautiful book that's available now. Go out and get it. Lupita Nyong'o, everybody.